What is going on? This is Dylan with Dylan Talks Tone, and this is the Just Gonna Say It podcast. I'm just gonna say it. This episode is mind-blowing. Adam from futone.com makes a bunch of like hardware upgrades and tone blocks and all kinds of cool stuff. We'll get into it uh, for double action tremolos, as in like Floyd's. I'm going to say Floyd's. He won't say Floyd's, but I'm going to say Floyd's. What an absolute bomber of an episode. This is like... So a little backstory here. I met him a couple years ago at a NAMM show and I started following him on Instagram and I soon realized just what a gem to the music industry Adam is and who he knows and who he's worked with, but just what such a great guy he is. And then this last year I met him at a NAM show again, like the bogus NAM, and we chatted, and and man, anyway, I've been wanting to get him on for a long time. This is, okay, first of all, when we say in this show a bunch of times, this guy, that guy, well, this guitar player is, I'm going to tell you who we're talking about right now, Eddie freaking Van Halen, okay, so that's the level that this episode is on this level is on eddie van halen episode level okay this is i mean really so yes i have not much more to say about it let's get into the adam episode from fu tone um We will put all the links to all of his stuff down below. Please go check it out. And also, the Patreon part of this episode is next level. We actually start talking between ourselves, me and Adam, about like ideas and future collaborations. And hey, let me send you a product to prototype. Like normally we would do this in like a private meeting. And he's like, no, let's do it right now. Let's show people how we do this kind of stuff. So the Patreon episode, next level. So there's a link to that below as well. Thanks for supporting everything we do. Also, it, the Patreon for the, pa- the the podcast is the same for the YouTube channel. So you get all the stuff on the YouTube channel, just so you know. Man, anyway, let's get into it. I guess what I want to know, because actually me and you have never really talked about this. We actually have just met at a couple of NAM shows um, and we have some obviously mutual people that we know and work with. Obviously, you knew them before I did. So what do you do and where did how did you start? Like, where did it, any of this guitar stuff come from? It's interesting. Um, when I moved to my new high school from between eighth and ninth grade that summer my family moved from uh, the edge of philadelphia out into a suburban area called abington and i was a new guy in a new school and i didn't know a soul and you know the typical long hair kid you know wearing like my hockey jacket and 
this is a, a favorite story of mine, but I'll leave names out just for certain people who don't like social media. <laughs> so I'm walking in my new school and I see this other long haired dude walking towards me. We give each other the long hair nod, you know, it's the nod. Yeah. He goes, uh, hey, man, you're new. Said, yeah. And I'm like, thank God, somebody's talking to me. Like, oh my God. It's like, it's hard enough going to a new school, but really the beginning of high school. And uh, I was wearing a hockey jacket. And he noted, he said, hey, you're going out for the hockey team here. And I said, well, yeah. You know, because so was he. And we started talking about hockey. And I was just so thrilled to have, have met somebody in my new school. And he goes, we should hang out sometime. I said, yeah, I'd love to hang out. And he gives me his address, and I rode my bike over there after school one day and knocked on the door, and his mother points me in the right direction. And as I get closer and closer and closer to this bedroom, it's like it was like being outside of a club. And, you know, it's getting louder and louder. And, like, you're, I'm right outside the door, and it's like you're right at the door of the club. And I open the bedroom door, and... Here's my new friend from school, Marshall Stack, bunch of guitars, and he's ripping along on, on his guitar, and he's ironically playing Van Halen, Light Up the Sky, and I'm just standing there with my jaw dropped, and he looks up, he sees me in the door, gives me the long hair nod, and then just keeps right on playing and finishes the song and cuts the guitar off, and I'm just standing there dumbfounded. I said, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. He goes, do you play? I'm like, mm -mm. and he picks up a guitar, hands me a guitar, put your finger here. Eh. Fast forward, the guy is huge in our industry, still my best friend of 40 years and, you know, runs a really big brand and we just we do this every day now but that i think that's that was the thing that got me first when i you know i always liked music i always liked you know the rock groups growing up you know in in the day i didn't understand why though and the minute i saw that guitar and i heard that amplifier and i saw somebody like me doing it making that noise i go I'm in. I'm all the way in. I got I gotta figure this out. So that's that's what got me into that guitar piece. And then I got my first guitar, you know, like a piece of junk, you know, uh Hondo Flying V. And this was before modding guitars was even a thing. Like the the most you could do was like get a pickup or you know, buy a nut. Think back early. It wasn't a lot to do. And I spent as much time like taking the guitar apart, putting it back together and putting in different pickups and then locking tremolos came out and, you know, I couldn't hold out for the one I wanted and I got a caller and I, I, I got the caller put on it and just, there's a picture in my office. Actually, I'll send it to you if you want to edit it in as we talk. Okay. Um, and, you know, I just, I, I just modded the hell out of the guitar before modding was a thing. And I, I realized I enjoyed 
working on the guitar and playing with the guitar and trying to get it to do more than it could was just as much fun to me as learning the new Iron Maiden song, you know. Same here. Yeah. So it's some guys are tinker and some guys, you know, so it's funny out of all the pro guys that I work with now, some guys are so into the science of and show me this and show me that. And some guys could care less. They just care that it sounds better. Like they'll hand me the guitar and go do what you do, you know, and I'll do it and I'll give it back to them and they'll go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's they don't. Not, but it's funny. Everyone has a different level of tinker ability. You know, some guys can't even change their own strings and some guys, you know, I'll watch them pop their neck off right before a show to make a quick neck adjustment as, as the rest of their band watches in horror, Eddie Ojeda. Um, that's like they'll tinker. That's that's pretty bold, actually, that that level of working on a guitar right before a gig. So you mentioned and hang on, I'm ready. Uh the double action locking tremolo yeah um why because this is like that's your main thing right like that's i feel like these days is the locking tremolo so why did you go down that road instead of i don't know pickups or any anything else like why did you go down the uh, quote-unquote mechanical side of the guitar if that makes sense it does make sense and and for the same reason it's obvious that you would change a pickup because you know that's a weak link you know you buy a production guitar you know it's got a six dollar pickup in it and you know you want to get your seymour duncan your demarzio or your hand whammer why because it's a weak link and because it's better and my thought about tremolos were there's weak links within this tremolo that I wonder what would happen if we changed the material of a component, the size of a component, this one versus that one, different types of materials in different places. And I started experimenting with it. And all I could find was it just kept getting better and better and better. And so yeah. at the beginning, did you literally like get parts and grind them and cut stuff up and I, you know, it's funny when I, in high school, the, the one class I did really good in high school was metal shop. So I, I had, I had a, a basic understanding of how to do basic metal work. And then I had friends with machine shops and I would literally like sketch stuff on the side of a box. You know, I'm like, can you make this, you know, we'll try it. And then I would go, no, 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 change this and this. And the first version of, of FU Tone, my office was in the machine shop of, you know, a machinist that I was working with. And I, you know, the, I took this office, two rooms in the front of the shop, and I would walk out into the shop and sketch something or say, can you change this or that? And he was, he was an old school machinist. So it's not like, all right, well, let's get a print made. Then let's have a program written. Then we'll make a prototype and I'll see you in six weeks. And it's $1,200 just to have this conversation. He was the old school machinist, you know, with like the shop jacket, the cigarette hat. You know, it'd be like, can we do this? He's like, yeah, 
you know, and, and that's how it started. You know, like I, I just, I, I was so lucky to have him because I could change things on the fly. I could design on the fly. You know, when I designed, so he's no longer with us. Um, he passed away in the shop. I found wow. him. it was, that was some day, uh, another story for another day. Um, but now when I design a new part, I have a guy who creates a drawing. I have a shop that creates a prototype. I, again, it takes time, it takes money. Da, da, da. Then you try it. Then you always have to change it. Then you do revisions and, you know, eventually you get what you want, but now it's the long road. But I had designed so many of the FU products early on with uh, his help to make it go smooth like that that it worked different materials I'm like hey man can you make this out of copper you know let's do titanium let's do a different greater brass let's let's try this this and this and i i had the freedom to do that early on and that's that was a big part of why it worked probably give you a big um jump start creatively to be able to do as as many of those things in a smaller amount of time my and, hands were untied. My hands yeah. were untied. It was great. What was your first? So with with all this stuff, what was the first thing when you like, I know when I started making pickups, like there was a problem or, you know, that I wanted to solve like and so I dove in and I fixed it. And that was my first pickup. That's probably the most successful one we have today. What was the first? Which one like, is that, by the way? Our center punch humbucker, because it coil splits with no volume drop. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, and that was the thing was like, this annoys me. Let me see if I can figure it out. And I so I just literally dove in and did it. It took me a long time to get it right, and it's awesome. It's it you know. This is what's cool, and this is I think this is where everything comes from. It comes from the necessity of a guitar player. It comes from, I want to try to make, I want to try not to reinvent the wheel, maybe just make a better wheel and, or improve on that wheel. And I think that's brilliant, you know? And the thing is, I'm 100% sure that somebody else has done what I did and probably did it the way I did it. But for me to literally look at it and figure it out for myself. Um, to me, that was half of half of half of it. Like you know, now we sell them, and I make a living with it. But in the beginning, it was just like I want to know everything in this thing and make it work. Like that was like a inner motivation. Had really nothing to do with it becoming a company or anything. It was just like I want to make this better. Um, and so I don't care if somebody else did it. I wanted to figure out for myself, you know, that, that was the, the thing that made me do it. I think, uh, and I've talked about this before in different talks like this. Um, so that time when I was tinkering with the guitars and, you know, better tremolos were coming out, better pickups were coming out, you know, boutique guitars were coming out, you know, Charvel Jackson, ESP, you know, of the time. I always call that the revolution. That was the revolution of 
you know, when you have a guy like Wayne Charvel or Grover Jackson making guitars in their garage, but you see guys like Warren DiMartini or this guy or that guy going, they're playing that guitar. There's a reason. And the revolution started, I think, started then of like, we're going to make, a, we're going to build a better mousetrap. And guess what? The guys that really know about the mousetrap are going to be down. And, you know, go back a little bit before that. What was your choice? You were going to play, you were going to play a Strat, a Les Paul, or a Tele. It was off the rack. And at best, you would change the nut, the nut and the, the pickup. But I think that time in the early 80s when this revolution came along, and it changed the way guitars were made. It changed the, it raised the bar. Of course, later corporate, in the beginning, the corporate giants were like, yeah, all right, whatever, go ahead, make your little guitars. Then they're like, oh, wait, we better get in on this. Let's buy that shit. Let's take it. Let's bastardize it. Let's ruin it you know, much later. And what's that, funny about that is if you talk to any of the like vintagey tonehead people, they'll tell you that that what 82 to 86 or 87 time period is like the worst of guitar history. But you're right. It's was the most like revolutionary as far as what you're talking about. But I, I think that my whole point of that is though that revolution is happening again right now. It's been happening the last 10 years now, if you want, and I'll use you as an example. So guys that make pickups, I know 50 guys that make pickups. Each one is great. You know what they're all better than? The shit that comes in regular guitars. But, <laughs> and, and everyone does their version of let's build a better mousetrap. There's guys building bridges. There's, you know, I like to think I had a small piece of that and then got ripped off by 50 guys. So what? Um, there's guys building better tuners. There's guys building better full guitars. There's everything. Everything has become part of that revolution. And I think pickups, especially over the last, you know, 10 to 15 years has gotten so, I'm going to say two to, I'm going to contradict dick myself a little. It's gotten very saturated with so many guys doing it but it's gotten saturated with so many guys doing it so well. Yeah. And, and so I will sell certain other pickups on my site. I'll sell items that are not FU items on FU-tone.com that I call commodity items, meaning I didn't make it. I buy it from, so, so, and I'll mention this, we'll talk about it later. I'd love to carry your pickup because it's different because it's cool because i i don't i can't i don't carry everything i'm not sweetwater i'm not guitar center but when i find something cool and different you know i try it and then i go and i bring it out to my people so even other tremolos you know i i found along the way that i thought were really cool even though it's not mine i'm like i want to sell this um pickups i found a guy in the uk um do you know monty's pickups i do you know andy sneep from judas priest i had one of his guitars here and i was doing what i do i was doing the bridge and da, da, da. And he goes i'm going to send you these pickups from the uk can you just throw them in my guitar and i was like yeah whatever and i had played the guitar before and after the pickups i go wow i go these pickups are great and I go, can you introduce me to these guys at Monty's? 
and I'm on the phone with Monty's and I'm like, I love your pickups. Can I sell them? You know, I sell an FU pickup I designed. I'm not a pickup guy, but I designed a pickup. I sell EVH pickups, but I, the commodity items, but something cool like Monty's at like your pickup, I that would fit perfect because it's not the same pickup that, you know, if you were to walk into a big box store or go to an online retailer, you know, here's 75 different humbuckers. Which one do you want? Yeah. Yeah. It, pickups are funny because people ask me that all the time. They'll be like, you know, what makes your pickups different than somebody else's? And I'm like, well, just that. Like they're different, you know, it's 32 flavors really. And that's why I honestly, that's why I market different. That's why I, that whole side and the accessibility to the knowledge about it and stuff is what's different. Yeah. Honestly, anybody can wrap wire around these things and make a guitar sound. Okay. Like, honestly, probably what you do is more difficult because of all the tooling and development and all that kind of stuff. I mean, anybody with a sewing machine and some duct tape and an old calculator can make a pickup. Really? It's, but it's, it, it's no different between what you do and I do. If I have a thought for a product, a, a tremolo product, I'll, I'll get a prototype made. I'll, I'll take the guitar. I'll AV it. I'll record it. I'll listen but it, it just it comes from an idea. I'm sure you sit there and think of pickup ideas while you're eating dinner or you're laying in bed and the shit doesn't stop because mm -hmm. I know I do the same thing and it just doesn't stop. I'm like, what else? Where else? And where's the idea? And I think that's so cool. And pickups are, you know, I, I like that we're more about pickups than even bridges today because I don't care. I, I like guitars. I like I like stuff that's cool. I like stuff that's different. Um, the the pickup guys, and I know a lot of them. You know, some of them like you. Just you when I when you said I need to split a coil and not lose volume. It, to me, like a light bulb went off in my head. I'm like, well, wait a minute. When you split my pickup, it definitely loses volume. You know, I'm like, I'm like, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. And when you have guys that work together and support each other and lift each other up instead of 10 pickup guys all go, your pickup sucks. My pickup's the best. Wrong, 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 wrong. You're, there's nothing wrong with the pickup. There's something wrong with you. That When guys don't support each other in this business, that's the weak link. I'm the first one to go, that looks cool. Let me try that. Um, so I'll, I'll stick on commodity items and steer away from FU again for a second. When, uh, a few years ago, I was at NAM, and I met um, the guys from Vega Trem, mm -hmm. make a, a Strat tremolo. And I walked up to the booth, and I, I just I lay back and I'm sniffing it and I'm looking. I go, it looks cool, you know. And I flip it over and I go, eh. and the guy sees my badge and he recognizes the company he goes you're the fu tone guy he goes i want you to try my bridge and he handed me a bridge to try i go and i'm looking at it i go i'm gonna pass i go just i'm just walking by and i handed him the bridge back and i walked away and you know the next day i come walking by again and i'm sniffing this thing again he goes just try it and if you don't love it you know just keep it it doesn't matter 
And I go, if I don't love it, I'm going to just send it back. I don't need your bridge. And because to my eye, the back edge of the bridge didn't look right to me. But that I was I was wrong to think that. So I, I brought it back. And actually, the, the black strat right behind me, the second one there that I used in the demo video for Vegatrem. I'm like, holy shit, this thing sounds incredible. Not only does it sound great, but the function of it is so different than any other strap bridge I've ever played. And I was quickly on email. I was funny. I was emailing with him today because order, order. And I, I sell a ton of them. Not because I could sell the bridge. I, I brought it in and I promote it and I talk about it because I believed in it as a guitar player, period. It's not even my bridge. I sell a different strap bridge. I sell a competing strap bridge that I designed, that I make more money on. But I love that bridge. So why not both? And it's the same with pickups to me. Yeah. There, you can't just go, here is a pickup. This is the greatest pickup ever. This is the only pickup I will ever sell. Small-minded bullshit. Yeah. So when I hear what you just said to me and my ears shot up about why your pickup was different and before we even got to this my my wheels are already turning i'm going like my people would love that yeah you know and when you come to fu tone as a um is my phone not in here uh, my daughter's trying to call me um i'm just gonna tell her i'm on a uh when i uh, i can't even do that um i lost my train of thought thanks madison but i'll call you later i love you um when you come to fu tone when you come to fu tone you don't come here to buy a vega trim nice on an interview <laughs> sorry my no daughter, she, she wins you didn't come to my site to buy a vega trim you didn't come to my site to buy a music nomad product you didn't come to my site to buy a Monty's pickup. You came to upgrade your tremolo for whatever reason. But then the things that I think I think are cool as a guitar player, I'll make that offering with my commodity items. And people will go, wow, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, let me try one of those. Ba -ba 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 -ba. You know, and that's... What I really try to do with FU Tone, I take a lot of pride in the products I design, what they do, why my company exists, and yeah, it is. Upgrade your tremolo, make it sound better, make it function better, make it your friend, all well and good. But hey, while you're here, I found this other cool stuff. Yeah. Check, check this. And I'm very selective of what I'll bring. You know, yeah. I'm not Best Buy, not yeah. Guitar Center. Yeah. I... I don't have the bandwidth or the space to do that with other people's products because I totally would. Um, I just don't have the... I'm going 90 miles an hour already. But with our content on the YouTube channel, that is... I, I'm really keen about that because on the content side, people will accuse you constantly of like, you're a shill for a company. You're yeah. getting paid to say a nest. Yeah. And I'm yeah, like... Yeah, yeah. You don't understand. If I don't like it, I don't Same. even make a video about it. Same. I, Same. You will I'll, never I'll do a competing product if I like it. Yeah, exactly. And and that's a, that's the whole thing. Like 
I will have, we had Tim McNelly from McNelly Pickups on the podcast last week. Like he makes stuff I make. We disagree on stuff, but I don't care. Do you like, like do you like his pickup? Oh my God. They're so good. That's I will tell you. Point. Exactly. Exactly. That's the whole thing. And I just want to learn and know as many people as possible and learn as much as I can about all of this. Like same. That's that's all I care. Um so we'll we'll do stuff and we'll review products and stuff and the most you'll ever hear out of me is maybe somebody in a live stream, our Thursday night live stream, somebody'll say, "Hey, what about that product that you put on Instagram a couple months ago?" And I'll say, "Eh, I sent it back. It, you know, we we ended up not reviewing it." That's it. Like I'm not going to bash anybody, but I'm also no, only going to talk about stuff that I really like, you know. Same. I mean, it's it's a weird that first off, I always tell people this business defies gravity. <laughs> Meaning uh, regular business principles for the most part don't even apply here. And because I've done a few products where I've developed them or patented them or partnered with this artist or that artist. So anyone who has an idea or a lot of people who have an idea find me and go, Hey man, I've got the greatest thing since sliced bread. And but I need you to manufacture it, finance it, sell it, market it. Da, 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 da. And I literally, I got one last week. I get it every few weeks. I'm like, do you have a patent? No, yeah, or yes or no. Do you have an NDA, non-disclosure agreement? You know, so because if I look at this and then something else happens, you're going to sue me. I've done it with one or two products where I've gotten involved and and one or two out of a hundred that that would approach me. Um, and a lot of the guys, especially if it's someone I even know vaguely, I'll just give my advice to and I'll say, you know, it might not be for me, but here's the direction you should travel or talk to this guy or move in that direction. I do the same thing. We get calls all the time. Like, do you make this pickup? If I wanted you to design this pickup for me, could I, and I've done it a couple of times, but most of the time I'm like, you know what? There's this other guy over here in such and such a city state that is right in his wheelhouse. Just call him, you know, and everybody lives another day and everybody's happier for it. So I just kind of let that happen. So that brings me to a question though. You have a, you have an idea like, um, like the D tuna, for example, did you come up with that or did somebody come to you and say, I'm trying to solve a problem and you design it for them to solve that problem for them? Or how does something like that, that's, not just a revision of another product. That is like an actual innovation. So like, where does something like that come from? So a friend of mine had had the half of the concept. Okay. Just half. And, you know, it was like, let's make a prototype. Let's try it like this. And, and the original prototypes, you know, it very different from the product you know today. So it didn't work properly it didn't do it was just a thought and then we partnered 
And my piece of that was to, you know, change this, add this, do this. And together, even with EVH, trying to solve the math problem behind it, A, to make it work, period, and then B, to make it work for the masses. And everyone, everyone had their hand in the pot. You know, it was lots of prototypes. It was lots of late night calls. It was lots of failures until we came up with, you know, I have a, I have one handy, you know, until we came up to the one that you know today. Right. Yeah. That, um, that was, that was the end result. You know, that was over 30 years ago at this point and, you know, still going strong, still selling well. So it was a collaboration between me, a partner and EVH together to make it what it is today. And did EVH say, we want to put this on our guitars or was it something you approached them and said, we have this awesome idea or was it just like a serendipitous meeting of problem solution? We all have this thing together. Before the business of the business was done of, you know, whose name's going to be on it, what's it going to be, you know, right. You know, I, I had even shopped it to a couple other companies, but still was working with him at the time. And, you know, it just, it went the way it went because of him. Oh, interesting. Of, of, of the force he is. And, you know, it wouldn't be without him. Right. So the truth is I have my little piece in it and my partner, but the truth of the matter is, is because of him. Yeah. And, and, and that's why, and you know, he was, it was the way he did everything. Really? You know, not just detail, the way he made guitars in general, different, the way guitars are manufactured and designed today because of shit he did with a, with a chisel and a hammer and, you know, so he like, truly uh, there's a lot of heavily artists, involved, heavily involved. Yeah, I was going to say there's a lot of artists that um, they like their sound, they'll have their input. But he was somebody who really had his hands in it. Like he was in the guitar with the screwdriver and Constantly. whatever, just doing stuff. Yeah. It, it, it's just like when I was a kid, I said, I like tinkering with it as much as I did playing it, maybe even more. He was, he was a mad scientist, man. I mean, it's hard to separate it because you look at him as a player and you go, oh my God, here's the guy that changed everything the way he played. It kind of overshadows the fact that he changed the way everything and the way guitars are made. You know, the way, yeah. the way these, you know, super strats or hot rod guitars came about was because he had guitars that didn't do what he wanted them to do. And he figured it out. He, he, didn't, he didn't care how he got there. Did you have, um, on the tremolo side, um, was that during that time too? So you're developing side by side a bunch of different stuff at the same time. D-Tuna opened the door for me. So once I had D-Tuna in place and, you know, as a partner and a part of, 
it opened the door for me to do other things. You know, I, I would often tell people, it's like that scene in Goodfellas where he takes Karen on the date and, you know, he pulls up and parks right in front of the club. He walks in the side entrance. They cut him through the kitchen. They put a table right in front with a lamp and a bottle of champagne. Because, like, because of that correlation that I had worked on a product with such a guy, you know, it kind of opened the door for me to do other things. And, you know, that gave me the freedom to to mess with FU. Had I not done D-Tuna and, and just came out with FU, yeah, FU would have worked. But it definitely it was like you were the made man. You were with you're associated with that guy even this much. Right. That's enough. Like, oh, I'll listen to what you have to say. Right. You know, yeah. where you know, before that, who are you? Yeah. Who are mm-hmm. you? You know, and it was, it was a blessing and, you know, yeah, the guy was just, the guy was just that guy. It's the guy you think he is. He was, he was that important to this industry, to music, to playing, to writing, to recording, to innovation. You know, he was the Les Paul of the day and I'm, I'm, fortunate and thankful that i even got to breathe the same air as him sometimes you know yeah. and after doing it for 30 years i'd still be standing there like he'd be standing there and i'd be pinching myself going like i just i don't believe this yeah yeah no that's i can't even imagine because there are very few guitar players um who have moved the needle isn't even the right word it's like you know there's a lot of you could say a small fish in a big pond you could say he like dug his own pond and then everybody moved into his pond there's guys that move the needle there's all in my opinion there's only two guys that created the fucking meter that the needle exists on who's the other one and you you can debate it and everyone has an opinion but to me like who took what was available and did what was impossible and was not bound by the limits of not just the gear but the players that came before them, the creativity, the, the this, the that, the technique, the, the, the writing. And for me as a guitar player, forget if I didn't know a soul, the two guys that changed the world in which we, we exist in, it was Hendrix and Van Halen. And there's a million great guitar players. There's a million guys that just figured it out and did it. But who broke the machine? Who just said, I'm not bound by anything, and they operate in a different air, a rare air. What's interesting is there, and and for two different, for in my, so my opinion of those, because I believe you're right, I share that opinion. But in my opinion, Hendrix and Van Halen moved the needle or whatever you want to call it, created the meter in two different ways because um, Hendrix wasn't necessarily about technical prowess as much as he was, this is a guitar, this is what we know it's supposed to do, but I'm gonna do things 
with the guitar that you didn't know this guitar could do. And it wasn't necessarily speed notes per minute. It wasn't none of that. None of that. He had something to say. Yeah. He had something to say with his hands and, and with his songwriting and with his voice, he had something to say and his way of expressing it was like nothing before that. Yep. And to me as a guitar player, I, I connected with that. Yeah. You know, it just, take take the easiest Hendrix stuff like something like hey Joe you know it's such a basic chord progression and this and that but to the way he would play it the way he would emote it the way he would deliver that to you the stuff in between that didn't exist the stuff between the lines yeah as a musician I I listen to that and if it doesn't touch you emotionally in my opinion, you don't get it. And that's yeah. okay. But I thought Van Halen did the same thing in a different way, in a, in a totally different way. And yeah, there was a, it was a lot more technical prowess and this and that, but so what? I mean, you know, you, you, you could have, you know, Ingve Satch, Vi, who I think are all spectacular. I go, hey, Paul Gilbert, I watch the shit they do and I go, that's just, it's impossible. They, they are in a different stratosphere. But that wouldn't be without, with what I think Van Halen did that was different. It it wasn't an Olympic sport. It wasn't a competition. It wasn't a race. It's it's feel. It's vibe. It's I have something to say to you, and just because I'm not talking or singing, I'm going to give it to you through my instrument. Yeah. And I thought he had something to say. Yep. It's funny because. Um... When I was a kid, so obviously, obviously, Hendrix is way before me. So I was really influenced by Hendrix, but because of Stevie Ray. Oh, so, and he's on the he's in that club too, but in a different way. But go ahead, continue. So on. this is what I was about to say because for me, the two people that got me playing guitar. Well, besides my dad, that's I grew up playing guitar, but my dad, but Van Halen and the two hand thing, um, and then Stevie Ray playing Voodoo Child. That was that was it. I was done. And for me, Stevie Ray, this is an interesting thing. Um, now in the last year or so having been exposed to some really cool guitars and understanding more about his actual equipment and like what he played and being able to play some of those guitars and etc um and realizing that if i go play stevie ray's guitar i sound terrible and having a stronger impression and realizing that it wasn't necessarily and this is for everybody but especially him it wasn't necessarily the instrument itself it was how he extracted the energy from that piece of wood and those strings he literally stripped it from the guitar and maybe on patreon i'll talk about how i know some of that but that is like he didn't just play the guitar. He like 
tore the music out of the guitar <laughs> in a completely different motion in, in a way to, in my opinion, the same way Hendrix or Van Halen had something to say and it was emotion and it was that. And Stevie Ray for me is if I do my Mount Rushmore of guitar players, he's on there. Yeah. And I, I love, love, love Stevie Ray and Stevie Ray doing little wing, you know, to me is even more touching than the original. That's because it's so emotional. He had something to say. Yeah. He was, and and I won't slight Stevie Ray because, like I said, if I made a Mount Rushmore of five guys, he's on it. Yeah. But what Stevie Ray did that was a little different than what someone like Hendrix or Van Halen did. And this is only my opinion as a guitar player. And everybody could go, ah, oh, screw that guy. I don't care. This is just my opinion. Stevie Ray took a genre of music, what was available to him, and blew it up and did it bigger and better than anybody ever did in my opinion whereas uh, a guy like Hendrix or Van Halen didn't blow it up bigger they created something completely different yes that, that didn't exist Stevie Ray took the blues turned it inside out shoved the bomb up its ass and turned it upside down I am the biggest Stevie Ray fan but there's there's that difference to me Stevie Ray did not invent that thing, whereas the other two guys, in my opinion, did. But he did it better than anybody else, did it better than Clapton, did it better than, you know, Nate, pick your guy, pick your blues guy. Right. And when it comes down to the gear, I, I could tell you firsthand, and I have plenty of stories about it. I could pick up Eddie Van Halen's guitar and plug it into his rig and play it either on a concert stage or up at his studio. It's, it's his shit. And it sounds exactly like me. Yeah. It's me. Sounds nothing like Van Halen at all. Yes. So the gear is important to a point. At the end of the day, when you have a guy like Stevie Ray or like an Eddie or a Jimmy, it doesn't even matter. It's the guy. Yeah. It is the guy. I could tell you 10 different stories about the guy in their gear and either me playing it or them playing someone else's gear. And it's the guy. Right. Always. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. I get, I'll get you close. But at the end, it's yeah. the guy. Yeah. Yep. No, that's that's exactly that's it. I mean, and that's and I so then you think about these um, and I on Patreon, I will tell this story. But um, when when you look at those instruments, if you ever have a chance to play them like you have, um, they are just guitars. Yeah. But at, but at the same time, so I went to um, the Metropolitan Museum of Art. And I got to see Stevie Ray's number one, Eddie Van Halen's number one. I set that up. Did you? Oh, that's so cool, man. Me and my two friends, we did. We built the rig and put Frankenstein in there. I, I did that. Oh, that's so cool, dude. Um, so, yeah, it's just a guitar sitting behind glass. But then at the same time, you're like, that guitar has been and seen and played and 
you know, I don't know. It's, you can't take away, even though if I buy like that reissue that you just have in your hand a few minutes ago, I'm not going to sound anything like Van Halen, but if it inspires me to pick up the instrument, I think that's more important than anything, you know? I think that's a great point. And I, even though he's not here, I could tell you what he would say. He would be like, that's the whole point, man. Just, just play, just go, go play. doesn't yeah. even matter what you play. Yeah. Just play. Yeah. And it, that's, that was, he, whether he was talking to a, an iconic guy or some kid in guitar center, it was the same attitude of dude, we're just all guitar dorks. We're all guitar. Mm -hmm. I love talking about shit. Like, yeah. you know, I'd show him a picture of like, I remember I showed him a picture of Mick Mars's rig one day and he's like, opening it up on my iPad. He's like, what's that? What's that? And we're dorks. Yeah. It's the same as if you and me did it. He was, yeah. It was no different. Yep. But at the same time, that's like with, with this podcast, um, I wouldn't come on this podcast and be like, okay, you worked with Van Halen. So what voltage did he have his very X set at? You know, like who cares? You know what I mean? Like none of it matters. None of it matters. I don't want to hang on Van Halen too much because it's I, I know I get the tie to it and it's okay. I saw him play a hundred dollar Japanese guitar with rusted strings on it this far off the fingerboard into a line six amp in a tune-up room before a show, and it sounded like Van Halen one. Had nothing to do with that. What are you gonna do? It was, it was him. Yeah, that's awesome. So okay. So moving on from that, because yeah, I'm sure, especially for you, there's a lot of, that's a, that's a, a pretty good conversation to have right there on its own, probably not on a podcast. So, um, moving on to what you actually do. So when you obviously have a bunch of products on your website, so for everybody who We'll put the link in the description and in the show notes. Definitely go check out his stuff. If somebody comes to your website for the first time or you're talking to him in person, you know, like what? And they have a locking tremolo. I don't want sales pitch is the wrong word, but what can they stand to change? Um, with some bits and bobs from your website what can what will they feel and hear if that makes sense if it you kind of go sense. through some of the you know main components of a double locking bridge and just give us some idea of what they can feel and benefits and stuff i, an I answer this question all day long um via email text social media videos this and that and you you can go run the whole list of everything and yes it's great but i always tell guys start here and start in this order of importance you know and i pulled two guitars i'll, I'll pull another one just for the sake of our conversation Ooh, it's purple so, too it is very purple so the biggest tonal return on your dollar in the beginning is the block meaning the block underneath the tremolo 
that the springs attach to. Okay. And you want to, so this guy mm -hmm. right here. So he's showing us the block that goes on the bottom of a tremolo, obviously. That. Okay. So usually it's a, it's real thin, half that size, shorter, shorter this way and made out of either a composite shitty metal or a cheaper brass or this or that. To me, that's the first stop. That's the engine. Because what, what you're hearing, you're not hearing the block. So if you hit a string, the string vibrates and it hits the bridge. Instead of a small block absorbing that sound or deadening that sound, a bigger piece of resonant metal will amplify that sound and push that sound back out into the wood of your guitar. You're not hearing more of the block. You're hearing more of the guitar. You know, I always do this. I always go, well, your guitar kind of sounds like this. But once you open it up, it sounds like this. Ah, Jeff Schroeder. Smashing Pumpkins have to call him back. <laughs> On an interview. On an interview. Um, so the block underneath the bridge is the engine. And again, you're not hearing the block. All I'm doing is taking that vibrating string and amplifying it and making it louder. It's pushing it out into the wood. It's pushing it out to your pickups. It's letting it ring longer. The block is number one. Number two, in the saddles, those little blocks that pinch the strings. So yep. in, in, in this guitar, they're purple, but. Yes. These guys in there, titanium, same thing. They'll, they'll add more, two things for the inserts. A, functionality. They don't crack. They don't get stuck. You ever try to change a string and the block won't move? Yeah. That's or they smush on one side as right, they get Right, 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 right. Yeah. Because it's junk. Yeah. And not only does it not function right, it doesn't sound good. So I make them in naval brass and I make them in titanium and titanium colors. That to me, that's the number two thing that adds more sustain, more clarity, more definition, and they function great. From there, you could go to, I make noiseless springs. So normally if you take your guitar and just muffle it and go, You'll hear the springs go like, mm -hmm. it'll sound like a reverb tank. That's going through your sound yeah. the whole time. So I take that away. Yep. Um, next up, the posts that the bridge rests on. Titanium post, same thing. A, it won't fail. It'll function better. Sounds better. The claw, I'll do brass or titanium brass springs, brass uh, screws, sorry. Um, and then all the hardware, all the screws. So the string lock screws, the saddle mounting screws, the nut clamping screws, I make them all in titanium. Some guys are purists. They like, I like black. I make black titanium for everything. So you could do black, silver, red, purple, green, blue. I, I do it in colors. 
and they function better. They don't crack. They don't strip. I think they they look pretty cool. You know, it's a it's oh a heck yeah, instrument. that's a beautiful Even, guitar. Thank you. Let me go back to the striped one. So same thing, but I did it all in silver. Yep. Just because it makes more sense on that guitar, yeah. Yeah, but you'll see the block. Yep. The noiseless springs, the claw. No, very cool. Well, that's that makes makes sense because I I have gone to your website because I was like maybe I'll do some builds, you know, for a video or whatever. And this is something I've always wanted to ask you is like, in what order would you do it in? Like, um, and it's you know like if somebody had X amount of dollars to spend this month on their guitar, what should they spend it on first? And that's why I was asking. Lock and inserts number one. Okay. Lock and saddle inserts number one springs posts then you could go claw hardware but that block and inserts thing is is really your one-two punch that you will see the biggest difference with everything will add to it the claw adds to it does it add as much as the block well, well no that's the engine right. so everything matters it's a link in your chain it's a link in your chain of everything and forget just the bridge because then you have the wood of your guitar, the pickup. How about your cable? How about that pedal? Somewhere in that link of the chain, you know, are you, are you going to make like this beautiful guitar and buy your boutique pickup and plug it into uh, a boutique amp or my Soldano or this or that? And are you going to use a $3 cable that came with the guitar? Right. It became that's your weak link. And I'm yeah. not saying you have to do everything, but I'm saying some things. There's Some definitely a be more than others. Yeah. There's definitely a percentage of return that's bigger for most always. things. And always. in that type of a tremolo, I always thought it was the block, but I, I wasn't sure. So another question people are going to have is if they have the other major brands of tremolos, will your blocks fit on them? Yeah, I do. I obviously I'll do Floyd size blocks. I do Ibanez. I do Godo. I do Strats. You know, I just I, I I want to increase the vibration in the guitar and find the weak link in the tremolo. And I've covered most of them. I do have more to do still. Yeah. But I, I think I've got the major bases covered. Cool. Well, man, this is awesome. I really appreciate your time because um, I, I know you're busy. You got smashing pumpkins calling you and all oh please um, i love talking gear we yeah. should get him on the phone he would he, right he's a gear nerd too I'll i tell you what what i want to do is i want to go over to patreon um okay. so we'll take a pause here and we'll go over to patreon and just chat for a few more minutes um and then we'll we'll let you get back to your day but adam i appreciate you coming on the podcast um today and share obviously sharing some stories. The Van Halen thing was awesome. Also, um, the value of what you do. Cause I, I think it's really important. So yeah, let's I, go, go ahead. Thank you for having me. Thank you for what you do. And I'm so interested in that pickup now. So you're going to have to send me a pickup. I'm going to send you some block parts. Okay. And, and I want to put that on my site, I, but I, I just want to try that. I really yeah. want to get into it. And, uh, 
yeah. and give it a whirl because it's I love when I I hear about something new or different or cool, you know, the revolution, something different, build a better mousetrap. It's fun. It's really fun. Yeah. All right. Let's cruise over to Patreon. Cool. What did I tell you? Right? Like, oh my goodness. Anyway, we're going to be talking a bunch more. Um, we're going to be doing a bunch more kind of chatting offline and we've got some ideas floating around go over to the podcast you're going to hear more about that obviously you heard about the center punch thing we talked a bunch more about that um what what a cool thing anyway please go check out his stuff please check out our stuff in the description below when you use those links on any of our channels it's it really helps us out. I know you're not buying products directly from us, but it really does help keep all this stuff going, and I really do appreciate it. Also, free is sharing. If you share this podcast and the links to it, that is the number one most important thing, and I really, really appreciate it a lot because isn't this getting cool? Anyway, thanks for hanging out, and we will talk to you next week.